Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to help make the world a better place, it's time to run or drive with the Game Changers, and you are in the right place. This is the Future of Cars with Game Changers Radio. If you're keeping track, Season 4, Episode 7, we are live here on June 12, 2018. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. This is a an interesting quote. By 2035, new mobility technology will drive 40% of industry profits. That's a quote from the Boston Consulting Group quoted in markets.businessinsider.com. So what are we talking about? Well, exciting news. At Sapphire Now 2018, which happened in Orlando, Florida just last week, SAP's Cloud and Business Technology Conference, as many of you know, one of the most buzzworthy showcases was the RIN Speed Snap Concept Vehicle. What am I talking about? Well, look it up. Snap by Rinspeed, R-I-N-S-P-E-E-D. It looks like a giant autonomous skateboard. Uh-huh. What's the big deal? Well, it separates into two parts, a high wear chassis and a passenger safety cell or a pod. Its mobility ecosystem, that's what it's called, offers sky is the limit opportunities for use in living, working, medical, retail, and utility and more applications. Our panelists today, three experts in the field of automotive, tried out the snap. We're going to find out what it was like. We're also going to hear their insights on the trajectory of future mobility ecosystems. That's a big word and I can say it. And the impact of mobility co-innovation on all of society. So it's a big topic and we're calling it today a new era of connected mobility in a snap. I want to snap my fingers, but I'm not really good at it. So welcome. Let me tell you who my three panelists are and then we'll get started. First up, I'm welcoming back Uli Munch, Global VP of SAP's Automotive Industry Business Unit. Welcoming him back. New panelist, Chris Dambola, Global Head of Market Development for Automotive at Thomson Reuters Tax and Accounting. Welcome to Chris. And joining us is a lady who hasn't been on the show, but she loves to tweet when we're on the air. It's Adina Sewell, S-E-W-E-L-L, if you want to look her up. She's a solution manager in the Automotive Industry Business Unit at SAP. So thank you all for taking the time to be with us today. Uli has sent us a quote from Justin Trudeau in the news recently. We won't go there. Justin Pierre James Trudeau, PCMP, born in 1971, I call him a kid, is a Canadian politician serving as the 23rd and current Prime Minister of Canada since 2015. And uh, let's see, I'm not going to give you any of his political background, but I think everybody knows who he is. Here is the quote, and it's wonderful. The pace of change has never been this fast, yet it will never be this slow again. Uli Munch, welcome back to Game Changers. How have you been? I've been great. Thank you. Great to be here, Bonnie. Delighted. Uli, I love the quote. I've heard it before. It's so perfect for so many reasons because we're talking about pace. When we think about cars and mobility and automotive, we think about speed, and yet it won't be this slow again. So tell me how this quote relates to our topic today, please. Yeah, well, it relates to 
to today's topic and uh, relates also personally to me. I've, uh, when I was younger, I, I, I was a competitive cyclist, so I really like speed. I like a healthy competition. I like action, and I'm also a bit restless. Um, perhaps that <laughs> restlessness is, is rooted in my childhood and the sports and everything. But, you know, when we look left and right, there, there's so much change in the automotive industry and it's fascinating to be to be part of it to to not only witness this but um, you know we at uh, as a technology company we are we're helping companies to really succeed in those turbulent times and um, and get guess what it's <laughs> it looks like it's getting even even more turbulent but uh, that's what we are here for and that's what we're going to be talking about today Thank you very much, Uli. Happy to have you back. Um, what I love about this quote is it really makes you think, doesn't it? Pace of change has never been this fast, yet it will never be this slow again, meaning it's it's like you with a bicycle. You're going uphill, and it's going to be fast. You come down slow, and then you go back down the hill, and it's going to be fast. And so I guess it's the cycle, uh, the life cycle of, of automotive, yes? Is automotive speeding up right now in terms of innovation and development? Just a quick question for you, Uli. I, I totally think um, the answer is a clear yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay, we'll take it. For, we'll take it from there. We'll talk more about it. Thank you so much for joining me. And now let's welcome our new, one of our newcomers, Chris Dambola, at Thomson Reuters. And Chris has sent me a quote from the song "Changes" by the late great David Bowie. And anybody doesn't know David Bowie, his full name was David Robert Jones. He lived from 1947 to 2016, English singer, songwriter, and actor, a leading figure in popular music for over five decades for his innovative work. This song was originally released on the album Hunky Dory in December 1971, and as a single, a few weeks later, January 7, 1972, the day before Bowie's 25th birthday. It became one of his best-known songs, even though it didn't make the Billboard Top 40. I don't know if you knew all of that, Chris, but that's what I do. Here are the, here's the little bit. <laughs> little tiny bit of the lyrics of the song turn and face the strange and i have can i read a little more of the lyrics chris do you mind go for it okay still don't know i'm not going to sing though still don't know what i was waiting for and my time was running wild a million dead-end streets and every time i thought i got it made it seemed the taste was not so sweet so i turned myself to face me but i've never caught a glimpse how the others must see the faker i'm much too fast to take that test Ch-ch-ch-changes, turn and face the strange. I'll stop there. How was that? Not too bad? That was good. Thank you. (laughs) Waiting for a drum roll. Chris Dambola, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Talk to me. How in the world did you pick this one, two, three, four, five word quote that really packs a punch? And tell me how it relates to our topic, please. Sure. Good morning, Bonnie, and thanks for having me. Um, It was was quite easy. Um, It wasn't my first choice. You know, I think I... uh, in searching for some song lyrics from some of my favorite bands from, you know, the seventies rock era. I guess I was, I shouldn't have been, but I guess I was surprised at how many of them focused on, uh, either, either sex or drug use. So, uh, that, that ruled a lot of them out almost immediately, <laughs> but, um, you know, this one I think is quite appropriate on, on so many levels and certainly in the context of, uh, the rinse speed snap and, and the automotive industry in general, because, you know, so much of it just seems strange to us. And and think of how much more would have seemed strange to us just a, a couple years ago. Um, you know, this was my first time at Sapphire and first time on the show, so it's an exciting couple of weeks for me. 
Uh, and I assume that of the you know twenty two some odd thousand people that were at Sapphire, a lot of them were consider themselves nerds or geeks on some level in, in the technology spectrum. And I was amazed to see how many of them found the display to be so strange. Um, when really, you know, it, it's really not that far off from being a reality. Interesting. How is the how is the industry reacting to all this change, Chris, from your vantage point? Are they saying this is really strange, especially anybody over, I'll say a certain age, maybe over 50, who grew up with cars, real cars with a steering wheel and a brake pedal and, and, and a gas pedal and a front right. seat and a back seat? And it, Are they saying this is really strange and weird, but it's fun and exciting and there's a lot of money to be made? Are they saying, dang, what happened to my car? What was your thought? Well, you know, both on the consumer and the industry level, it's all over the place, right? Certainly there's the consumers that say uh, it's completely strange to conceive of a car that there's not even a, a steering wheel or a pedal or a driver. Um, you know, we're seeing the industry now turning and facing the strange, and, and basically everybody, even the ones who openly consider themselves laggards in the technology um, uh, spectrum, are, uh, there's still a degree of ones that are more bullish, ones that are maybe dipping their toe in the water. Uh, and I think, you know, fully just being open and just accepting that I don't have to be able to uh, understand how it's going to work, but I'm just going to do anything, no matter how strange, just to test the boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. Those are going to be the ones that really succeed in the long term. And, and I was going to add, Chris, that some of the people I was referencing, including myself, watched the Jetsons on TV when we were kids. So we knew something might happen, but we didn't know exactly what it was and when it was going to happen and how odd it was going to be. Flying cars, people getting out of these spacey things. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, welcome to The Strange, right? Here we are. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad you've had an exciting couple weeks, and I'm glad you're excited to be here on Game Changers. And now let me introduce another new panelist. She's Adina Sewell, Solution Manager in the Automotive Industry Business Unit, SAP. And Adina has picked, a, I call it a lovely quote, from a lady named Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, S-I-R-L-E-A-F, Born in 1938, she's a Liberian politician who served as the 24th president of Liberia from 2006 to 2018. She was the first elected female head of state in Africa. And what I found interesting, Adina, I don't know if you know this, um, after a man named Samuel Doe seized seized power in a coup d'etat, blah, 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 with all the politics, she fled to the United States. And Ellen Johnson certainly worked for Citibank and then the Equator Bank before going back to Liberia to contest a senatorial seat in the disputed 1985 elections. And she also won a Nobel Peace Prize. She shared with Lima Gabawi of Liberia and uh, somebody else from Yemen. So very interesting lady. Here is the quote. Everybody, listen up. This is good. If your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. Adina Sewell, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie, for having me. I'm really excited to be for the first time also a part of your show as you know, I've been following you uh, along the other shows. So it's a great pleasure to be in person here with you. 
You are very, very kind, and we're thrilled. I, I have to tell everybody, after each automotive show at Future of Cars, I look in the Twitter feed or during the shows, and I keep seeing this name pop up, Adina Sula, and she's mm-hmm. listening and tweeting and listening and tweeting. It's been going on for a long, long time, and the next thing I know, she pops up on the guest list. So very mm-hmm. happy to have you here. Adina, tell me about this quote relating to what's happening with automotive and connected mobility. What, what does it all mean mm-hmm. to you? So actually, um, um, I know that the story behind it and the, uh, whoever this quote is coming from is already very impressive, but the connection to it is that the, um, uh, I was actually a couple of weeks ago at the um, uh, company Rinspeed in Switzerland, and that's where I saw this quote at. So uh, Mr. Frank Rindaknack, who is the CEO of Rinspeed, uh, this is pretty much like, you know, awesome inspiration so for him, and it was yeah, sort of very impressive. And the, um, uh, we visited him in Switzerland in his uh, uh, sort of small museum where you can see the collection of his uh, uh, cars, of his concept vehicles. And whenever I read that part, I thought, like, um, this is just really amazing, the atmosphere over here wherever you really dream big and then you realize your dreams. So sitting in the vehicle, uh, whichever uh, was really like a vehicle, diving down to the scuba vehicle, he literally went underwater. So, like, you know, imitated James Bond and, and to really feel that vibe about where your dreams can take you. So that was the inspiration, and that's sort of kind of like another reason why I picked this quote. Thank you. I, I love the quote for so many reasons. I think this should be a mantra for kids going in any level of school, Adina, to say, if, dream big. If, if they don't scare you, you should be scared by your dreams. A good mantra for life in general. So you mentioned it was like J- being in a James Bond vehicle. Was it that exciting in the car? Did you feel like you were in a movie? Um, it was, yeah, I think that, like, you know, the imagination, if you think that yeah, this vehicle was made actually in 2008, and you really had the, yeah, like, you know, you can see these really small details that everything is waterproof, and there were some details, like, looking like it would be a shell, um, so, like, you know, the interior, everything is waterproof, and, and if you can just imagine that, hey, this car was literally underwater, so this is nothing an imagination, whether you just sort of, like, you know, uh, put it in a film, and it looks like it was underwater, but it was literally underwater. And I think the additional excitement is a pleasure to really talking to Mr. Rindakak and telling us like, you know, how he got to the idea, what was his inspiration, why he is doing all of these vehicles. Thank you very much. Very exciting. We have covered the quotes, the opening quotes. My panel has selected great quotes, by the way. Let's circle back around to Uli Munch and Uli. A couple of questions. You've been on the show before, so you know what to expect. Number one, where are you calling us from today? And number two, What's your favorite drink that really rocks your world or drives you, since we're talking about cars? What really drives Uli Munch? Talk to me. (laughs) Okay, Bonnie. So I'm calling in today from my home office in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. I I travel a lot, but when I'm not traveling, I spend um, my time between my home office in in Delaware and um, SAP's um, America's headquarters in a suburb of Philadelphia, East Coast. And what rocks me is... um, my Friday last, uh, you know, the, the beginning of uh, the weekend starts with a gin and tonic. But uh, we're far away from this. The week has uh, just started basically on a Tuesday morning. Tell me something. You have a favorite brand of gin for that? We'd like to know. I think usually people do have a favorite. You just go and go into a bar and say gin and tonic. You tell bartender, I want this and this in my drink. Do you have a favorite? Uh, Bombay Sapphire, so nothing too special, but I like Bombay Sapphire. 
But the sapphire is a good special word to have in your gym anyway, right? Exactly. <laughs> Coming off of sapphire, there you go. Did you have a chance to ride in the snap at Sapphire, Uli? Yes. Uh, the first time I, I, I stepped uh, or set foot in the snap um, concept vehicle was at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas in January. And it's quite quite impressive, right? And what uh, what Chris said uh, about the the you know the strangeness of not having a steering wheel in the in the vehicle, you know, and when you've seen it a couple times, when you've been in it a couple times, all of a sudden, you know, you get used to it, and it, uh, to me, it doesn't feel strange anymore. But now, Chris, that, that you said it, it's totally strange still. Thank you very much, Uli. Pleasure to have you back. Uh, interesting. We keep bringing up that word strange, Chris. That was a great quote. Chris Dembola, where are you today? And what's the favorite you put in your cup? Anything interesting you want to share with us? Sure. So I'm calling in from uh, my office in Hoboken, New Jersey, uh, Thomson Reuters office. I split my time between the Hoboken office, uh, the t- three Times Square office in Manhattan, and uh, my home office in Cranford, New Jersey, where I, where I live. Um, so it's not in my cup right now because it's only 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, and you can't see me, but I'm winking at you, but I'm a bit of a beer guy, um, and, and some of the best beer I've had in the world was actually in Iceland, uh, and, and where Iceland is, is quite poor in terms of natural resources, um, they do have their glacial water, and, and just about all the local brews I had there were fantastic. Einstock seems to be one of the few that I get to, uh, find, uh, in local shops uh, quite regularly. They have a great white ale. But the one that stuck out for me while I was there was um, Borg number 26. Um, there's more to to the uh, brewery name, but as with most Icelandic words, there's too many consonants for me to be able to pronounce. Um, so we'll just leave it at Borg 26. And it stuck out in particular because, uh, and they didn't think I was actually going to drink it, um, but the, the malts and hops are actually smoked with sheep manure. Um, and when they told me that up front, uh, they, they didn't think I'd drink it. I, I dove in, and it was, it was actually quite good. Um, it might have been comparatively good to the smoked, uh, the fermented shark that I had eaten prior, but nonetheless, I enjoyed it. Okay, I'm still trying to catch my breath here. <laughs> We've had some interesting <laughs> drinks. I challenged you on our prep call to come up with an interesting drink I never heard of, and you, you topped the list there, Chris. I've looked this up, and I see a Borg Fenrir, F-E-N-R-I-R, number 26, where to buy near me. It's beermenus.com. Is this the one? Icelandic yeah. brewery Borg Brughaus has concocted mm-hmm. a truly unique beer that will soon be hitting the shelves in North America. Dubbed. Let me see if I can find this very quickly. Yeah, there, there are a couple of uh, places here. If I can get a quick connection, otherwise we will skip it. They want to know if I'm old enough to read this website. Hell yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, uh, Icelandic Brewery has concocted truly. Yeah, the West Coast style IPA dubbed Fenrir Number no. Twenty Six is the world's first sheep dung smoked beer. I think we're just going to leave that alone and say, "Glad you're the one who was tasting it." And we appreciate that, Chris. And Turn and thank face you the so. Strange. It wasn't that bad. If you get the opportunity, go for it. 
You know something? The word strange from your quote from David Bowie just keeps popping up here on this show. I think this is going to be interesting. Thank you very much. Okay. And now let's turn. I'm almost afraid to ask. Adina Sewell, where are you today and what do you love to drink? Go ahead. Shock me. I dare you. I, I think I think I might not be that shocking as the gentleman before me. So uh, um, I'm sitting actually in my office um, in Waldorf in Germany at the SAP. And the, um, um, I would just like to talk to you about, like, you know, my morning drink, yeah, which is yeah. not that exciting because, like, you know, we pretty much follow the trends and we love to drink smoothies. But um, uh, what I really like about it is that it became sort of a family tradition. So when I get up and I have my two kids in the house, we just, like, you know, make up our own mind every morning, like, you know, what kind of smoothie we would like to have and prepare it fresh. And the um, um, one of my favorite smoothies, the, um, uh, we just had a couple of weeks ago a uh, big delivery of mangoes, fresh mangoes, honey mangoes mm. from um, uh, South Africa, actually, because SAP is supporting the uh, project wherever um, uh, we purchase mangoes for schools. So, like, you know, from all the profits, whatever they could sell uh, from the mangoes, they actually support building a school project over there. And those mangoes were, like, absolutely delicious. Um, I mean, there is nothing to compare, like, you know, fresh from fresh from the from Africa and these sweet mangoes. And if you make a mango lassie out of it, that's really tops my list. Put a little bit of walnut, crushed walnut on top of it, and that's definitely my favorite. Well, that's another drink I've never heard of. And I have to tell you, mangoes must be plentiful right now because I recently moved to Durham, North Carolina, and in my local wonderful store, it's called Harris Teeter. It's a beautiful, almost like a department store, more than a supermarket. Mangoes are now 10 mangoes for $10. So every week mm-hmm. I pick up two fresh mangoes. And interesting, the store doesn't make you buy the whole 10. They'll give you the dollar per mango price no matter how many you buy or how few you buy. So I pick up two fresh mangoes a week and, and finish ripening them on my windowsill here. And they are beyond delicious you're right they're absolutely sweet so mm-hmm. there must be a, a worldwide happy face that has mango on it yes. <laughs> that, that's yes, lovely yes. thank sweet, you yes. <laughs> sweet, sweet mangoes in the morning to get you started <laughs> there you go it is and anyway i'm i'm off smoothies right now i'm i'm on a new uh, diet i won't say which one but i think it's working L- learning to live without most carbs without sugar without uh, chocolate without whipped cream without ice cream without cookies and cake yeah it's been about eight days and and I'm learning learning to live in my new lifestyle however as Uli knows but Chris and Adina don't they never let me have caffeinated beverages on radio show days so no coffee for me this morning I'm drinking cool clear water from my cool clear mug looking out on a very gray day here in Durham we had Temperature in the low 90s yesterday. It was brutally hot, and today we're just getting up into the low 70s. But the sun is gone. And I must tell you, I had an interesting, I think they call it a tree frog, sitting on the edge of my bedroom window outside looking at me for 15 minutes last night when I went to close the blinds. And I was able to photograph him and video him, and he never moved. He blinked a lot, but he never moved. So I think I have a new new friend outside. We live on a pond here, and uh, the wildlife is pretty wild. And Chris, yes, it's very strange having a frog outside my window coming from 35 years on Long Island in New York. We didn't have frogs on our windows, I'll tell you that. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break. I'm talking to three very interesting people, not just for their drinks, but for their knowledge of the automotive industry. Our special topic today is a new era of connected mobility in a snap. And we're talking about RINSPEED, R-I-N-S-P-E-E-D, apostrophe S, snap concept vehicle that 
our three panelists got to try out at SAP's Sapphire Now 2018 in one of the most exciting showcases on the show floor last week. I want to do a quick shout out to Miranda Labate. As always, Miranda, you put together a spectacular panel here, and I know Uli was part of that, so thank you very much. And I'm just going to say, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back in 90 seconds. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. SAP is excited to be a co-innovator with the automotive industry as we help automotive and related companies digitally transform their entire industry and disrupt their existing business models. The Future of Cars with Game Changers brings you insights from the people in the driver's seat who are making this happen. We'll delve into industry challenges and solutions that support ecosystem industries, all to help you succeed in transforming your business and business networks for success in the new digital networked age. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top technology and business strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the automotive industry is shaping the future of change for all of us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of cars with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. We're talking about the future of cars and specifically connected mobility with Uli Munch at SAP, Chris Dambola at Thomson Reuters, and Adina Sewell at SAP also. We're going to kick off the roundtable now with some notes here Uli sent me before the show. Let me read a couple of notes here, Uli, and then you can run with it. You say connected vehicles can be a game changer, but technology needs intelligent applications to provide tangible benefits to consumers in order to be adopted. Then you say car makers like Toyota and GM recognize the existential threat of new mobility business models to their traditional business of engineering, building, and selling vehicles. So we've got some exciting comments in here. Uli, why don't you tell us more, please? Yeah, it's, uh, you asked earlier, right, the, about the change in the industry, and, and uh, we, we established that it's uh, pretty stunning what, what we are seeing here. And, um, you know, when you look at the change, wh- why do we see that? I think it's consumer behavior, consumer preferences, but also technology that enables completely new things. Like, uh, you know, an, an, an example from outside of, of our industry that uh, is near and dear to my heart because I, you know, I, I just experienced this at a, a couple months ago, right? We, we got an Amazon Alexa uh, <clears throat> for, for Christmas. And, um, and so we, we, we set it up, we used it and, and, you know, I'm, I'm a little geeky. I, I, I enjoyed it. And <laughs> after a couple of weeks, we realized we didn't use it anymore. Right. And, uh, uh, just because funky technology can, allows us to do things, we need to see the, the value and the benefit that it gives us. 
and if it if it doesn't provide these benefits, these tangible benefits, then um, then we may not adopt this technology, right? And now the the Amazon Echo is in the kitchen drawer, and uh, we've never touched it for the last couple months, and um, so that's kind of the the situation here. And um, what what we what we see is that that um, the lesson is that even though automakers come up with new features they may not be adopted and even if we see if we if we read the the analysts um and and the predictions of uh, the uh, what's also been known as case connected autonomous shared and electrified mm-hmm. mobility of the future we will have to see to what degree we can provide really consumer benefits tangible benefits that uh, consumers really jump on it and um, I'd like to get the perspectives of both Adina and Chris on, on, on this, right? Mm-hmm. Chris Dambola. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think uh, it's important, though, not to take for granted that a lot of these features, you know, we, we as consumers see them as an end product or, or something to purchase or not purchase, um, you know, based on the application or the value of it. But for the automakers, I think a lot of times uh, these releases are almost part of an extended R&D process, right, where they don't necessarily know, right? They're, they're treading new ground here, and part of it is, is that they don't know because it's never existed. It's never been kind of offered in this way before, and part of it is because things are changing so fast um, that it's likely to change drastically that it's at least going to teach them some lessons in terms of how to do something next, which is why waiting is not an option. And, and that was one of the nice things about the, the Rinspeed Snap was the way that they designed the two pieces, not simply to exchange pods, but so that as you know, technology advances, you could jettison basically the, the, the skateboard piece um, for newer technology with, with newer code and, and underpinnings and, and what have you. Um, so it was basically built to be able to evolve um, and Toyota and GM, you know, they're, they're both pursuing different strategies, right? Toyota is very bullish on hydrogen fuel cell technology and doing a lot to try and bolster the um, infrastructure to be able to support that. GM is in just about everything between the cruise unit for autonomous vehicles, um, you know, the book by Cadillac sharing, even the electric bikes now in, in Europe uh, and certainly in the marketplace. Um, so I think GM is learning a lot of lessons in a lot of different areas and the trick for them is going to be um, for those units not to be so decentralized that they can't learn from each other. Thank you, Chris. Adina, please chime in. Love to hear your thoughts. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, actually, uh, we had a chance here to be at the Consumer Electronics Show also at the beginning of the year, as Willie mentioned earlier, where also the uh, Rinspeed Snap was showcased. But the, um, uh, at this same show, Toyota also came out, like, you know, with the, with the future concept that is very uh, similar actually to the, to the Rinspeed Snap. It's called ePallet. And, the, uh, and it just it also was the, um, uh, a confirmation for that that the, um, uh, there is a big need in cities, especially in, in bigger cities, if you look at the personal transportation, if you look at last mile delivery, and the um, uh, uh, cities are really looking into some really flexible options, how they can yeah, uh, fight the congestions, yeah, how they can uh, still provide flexible options to their citizens, and, and to, to like, you know, find a, a construct, a feature that yeah, serve both of these purposes and also be sustainable. Um, 
I think that you are also a great example about technological advantages. Uh, if um, I just think about myself, that yeah, um, uh, luckily I'm, I'm driving a vehicle with a lot of already semi-autonomous features, so it, it makes the commute much easier. So I love the I love the lane assistant, like you know that my car is keeping the distance, and and still like you know in the morning when I'm thinking about it, okay, I'm on the way to uh, to work, I could take I could use some emails, and and that's the moment when I'm thinking that although I found it strange also not to have a, a mm-hmm. steering wheel in the car and not me being in control. But I could imagine like, you know, to really utilize yeah, an autonomous vehicle just like it's imagined by the rain speed snap uh, to really sit in a passenger pod and, and use my time differently while I'm traveling. Interesting. Very interesting. Uli, interesting comments. Great, great sidebars here from both of your co-panelists. You want to wrap this topic up, Uli, so I can move on to one from Chris, please? Yeah, Chris, you you mentioned uh, Toyota and GM going different ways, and what I what I um, or exploring and learning in, in different fields uh, and testing, and I think that's a it's a good um, you know con- good concept at this point, right? There is no there's no playbook. Um, you really have to be bold. You have to go out. You have to try new things. And and as the chairman of Toyota recently said, really this is ab- not about kind of who wins the next thing? This is the next existential threat. It's about survival of, of this traditional company like Toyota, right? And um, that is stunning. And, and another thing that I experienced a couple of weeks ago when I was on stage with um, the chief information officer of Daimler, he said the, there's a lot of uh, startups that are coming to the market in this, this space of connected mobility. And these startups, while they may not really steal uh, our revenue, they, they are likely to steal our profits. Thank you, Uli. Very interesting. Chris, I'm looking at your notes here. I think we're going to take a slightly different tack and broaden our perspective on this connected mobility. You say rideshare models and subscription-based ownership are poised to put a major dent in ownership of cars, of course, as we know it. Chris, you want to tell us more, please? Yeah, so, you know, it's a new concept for people um, in the automotive world, but beyond that, it's it's not terribly new, right? We've we've had um, WeWork uh, make, a, make a big splash and rent the runway and, um, oh, what's the, uh, the home share one? Why am I blanking on it? Um, Don't know. Give me you a clue. Airbnb. I'll look it up. The Airbnb. 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 Oh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we've, we've had these different models enter the consumer market where you're not owning anything. Um, and, of course, coming from, from the tax perspective, which most folks don't find terribly interesting, but I assure you it is, is <laughs> that, you know, when you change ownership and you change uh, equity, right, you're, you're changing how tax revenues are generated and monitored which are fueling a lot of other things down the road, especially for automotive, where you, you, you recognize that connected cities and everything that we need to be able to support autonomous vehicles and all these other changes that are coming um, are going to be driven from the municipal and the, the government level by tax revenue, largely. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think there's more to that conversation than simply personal preference. Right. Do I need to own my vehicle, or am I okay with just renting one? Um, you know, it also brings into the conversation, uh, and I think GM has has one of these these uh, models too, where 
you know, individuals can rent out their own vehicles. So they might own their vehicle, but then they rent it out when they're not using it. So you're kind of maximizing the, the value um, so it's not just sitting in a driveway somewhere. So there, there's all sorts of elements to that ownership that are going to change corporate balance sheets and, and the understanding of personal equity and, uh, as a result, uh, tax regimes, tax revenue, and uh, ultimately how our infrastructure grows. Thank you, Chris. Adina, chime in on this. The idea that we may not own much of anything and a lot of people are already moving in that direction. What do you think? What do you see? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I certainly can see the, the ratio behind it, and I think there are a lot of studies um, uh, that show that yeah, uh, while we're owning vehicles, yeah, there is up to or even more than 70% of those times are sitting in garages, uh, sitting in parking lots, so like, you know, uh, the, the depreciation of the vehicle and the added value that is yeah, letting us use this vehicle and taking us from A to B, um, uh, that uh, should change for many reasons in, in the future. And when I look at that yeah, from, yeah, from a personal perspective, and the, um, I'm, I'm thinking that, okay, I would need actually a vehicle to get to work, but it does not have to be like, you know, the really big family size vehicle, which I prefer to use in the weekend. So I'm really looking forward to, um, and I'm hoping so that like in the future, companies will come up yes, with a service, with these subscription-based services, where the individuals can um, uh, utilize the vehicles that matching their needs and purposes for the, uh, for the, for the, for the um, um, destinations, what they, what they need and for the times they need. So for example, driving to work, like, you know, with a small vehicle, a small electric vehicle could be just fine, and on the weekend to be unable, maybe a family trip, uh, you could just um, uh, get a bigger vehicle as part of this subscription model. Um, these ride-share models, yeah, um, uh, to be honest with you, I'm still a little bit skeptical. Uh, maybe it's just mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm still in the mindset of, yeah, of like, you know, owning the vehicle and letting somebody else use it. That's still something yeah, so different. Nevertheless, yeah, I think that yeah, uh, there is also a little bit time when people get used to it. And yeah, we have actually a really nice initiative here. Yeah, also here at SAP, wherever we are using ride-sharing within, yeah, within our company as well. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense because yeah, uh, there is so many people coming to work in the morning and um, most of the time, like, you know, you have four seats available in the, in the car um, and, and the driver could easily take your other colleagues coming this way. Uh, this also supports networking opportunities. So actually, um, uh, lately, I've been using this service and I've been riding together with colleagues. Very interesting. Okay, I'll have a comment on that later. Uli Munch, love to get your thoughts. Where are you on this? Yeah. No, I. You know, actually, I've 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 heard even higher numbers, Edina, like uh, on the on the uh, the time that the vehicles are are basically parked and not utilized uh, in in the range of ninety ninety five percent, and and mm. it's, it's ridiculous, right? Why why are we Investing or investing? Why are we spending money on an on an asset that's so used that little? And and I recently um, bought a motorcycle, and guess what? That motorcycle is even less utilized. Wouldn't it me make make sense to to rent that or to subscribe to something? And uh, I I know that Harley Davidson is is trying this now in the U.S., but it's not really convenient as uh, the closest the two closest service stations that allow for that uh, in, are in Baltimore or in New York uh, New York New Jersey, and that's just too far for me. So it doesn't make sense. And um, and and when we look at that that problem of of uh, congested roads and uh, parking garages and 
and uh, the the parking space alone, I read that um, that you need in the U.S. If if you add up all the parking spaces, uh, public parking spaces at malls and, and 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 office buildings and so on and so forth, it would really fill my home state of Delaware. That home that one state of the U- United States is basically. Uh, build up with parking lots. It's it, that, that doesn't make any sense. So for me, uh, seeing Volvo and um, uh, and, and Cad- book by Cadillac coming up with these subscription models and uh, uh, Bonnie, you, you like sports cars, right? Porsche I do. Passport. Yeah, Porsche is coming up uh, or came uh, came up with with um, with a subscription service where you can switch between their SUV and their Roadster and 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 that makes total sense. Uh, and I think Volvo is coming uh, to a price point where more and more people sign up. And why should it be even the car manufacturer if you see services like Turo? If you mm-hmm. haven't uh, seen Turo, look it up. T-U-R-O. It's a peer-to-peer uh, sharing uh, application. And, and to me, that's really the future of, of um, personal mobility. But then when you look at autonomous, I think this opens up to even more intelligent and, and, and uh, useful models. Thank you, Uli. I looked it up. T-U-R-O. Find a rental car or make money renting your car. Rent any car you want, wherever you want it, from our nationwide community of local car owners or make extra money renting out your car. So that kind of takes Uber to another level. You don't have to drive the car. You just got to let other people do it. And here's another article I found on Streets Blog. That's Streets Plural Blog USA. It says, it's true. The typical car is parked 95% of the time. Cars are a very inefficient transportation technology for too many reasons to count. They take up huge amounts of space, get driven around mostly empty. The average private car in the U.S., this article is from March 2016, average private car in the U.S. carries only 1.6 people. A lot of the time, people drive distances that are short enough to walk or bike. 28% of car trips are a mile or less, according to the Governor's Highway Safety Association. But perhaps the most profound inefficiency is that cars mostly just sit there. Early on in Donald Shoup's influential tome, The High Cost of Free Parking, he points out that cars are parked 95% of the time. Anybody want to quickly comment on that, Chris? Yeah, I know. I think that's a good point. Um, I think there's going to be so many different changes that it's hard to see exactly what that future is going to look like. Um, you know, even even if you... Um, let's say autonomous vehicles um, really take off, right? Well, what happens to the autonomous vehicle, right? Does it drop you off at work and then it goes to a parking lot and then they just sit there or are they all going to be shared vehicles? You know, does the autonomous vehicle go home, right? Like consider Manhattan, Mm -hmm. right? If I commute in from New Jersey to Manhattan, it drops me off at, at my office and then, you know, I don't feel like paying parking or, you know, whatever. It can drive itself. Now it's congesting up the bridges and tunnels, going back the other way. Um, and you have companies like Via, where it's not only personal ride share or personal ownership or you know any other permutation, but you have Via where it's almost like ride share bus services, right? So you have fungible uh, mass transit lines uh, to be able to service the masses. So I think um, you know considering the urban areas, uh, like what KPMG did in their recent study, Islands of Autonomy is a fantastic view at one, you know, microcosm of what that could look like. And it's certainly it's going to hit cities more than it's going to hit uh, rural areas. 
for a while, but uh, I think just so many things, different things are changing at once, so many different options um, that, you know, I, I don't think any one of them is going to win out. It's going to be a mixed bag. Thank you very I much, could, could, Chris. For <clears throat> Go ahead, Uli, was I, did I hear you? If I may chime in, spot on, sure. right? I mean, the 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 uh, to to me, it only makes sense. Autonomous only makes sense in a in a ride share in a ride share uh, model. So the the Uber or Lyft just without the driver, and uh, even even better if it's if it's a a, a minibus or, or or something like that. And that's where kind of the the concept of a rinse speed snap. Is, is really applicable. <clears throat> you have multiple people in the vehicle, and you have a multi-purpose. You can um, you can have a, a meeting space. You can have maybe a recreational use, and you can have also uh, have a, a pot on the on the skateboard for parcel delivery maybe at night. So that maybe we turn we 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 flip that model of. Five percent utilization to ninety-five percent utilization, and the other five percent are really time to time to service the vehicle. Because if you um, if you separate the part from the from the skateboard, and and for those of you on the, on the radio who have who have a hard time kind of imagining this, um, <clears throat> look up uh, rinse speed snap. Uh, go, just Google it, and and you you'll see. So uh, if if the um, if the uh, the, um, the vehicle is utilized 95% of the time, uh, that I think would would really make such a difference in terms of congestion and so on and so forth. But then there are these um, these scenarios where people predict that if it's a personal uh, autonomous vehicle, then in, instead of um, <clears throat> paying for parking, the vehicle what what happens if the vehicle just uh, drives around the block, you know, for the, for the for the uh, uh, hours that you are in the office, and that that would kind of be completely counterproductive. So we'll see. Oh, that would be very funny. <laughs> uh, by the way, Uli, I traded in my twenty. What would I have? I had a two thousand eight midnight blue convertible three fifty Z Nissan that I just adored. And because here in North Carolina, I would say safely the average speed on the highways here is seventy to seventy eight. Most of the posted speeds are 70, and nobody does just 70. And I wanted a more solid vehicle. Believe it or not, it only had 31,000 miles. I traded it in for a, tw- a younger model, sorry, 2015 370Z, pearl white with a red rag top. It is absolutely gorgeous, and I feel wonderful in it, and I'm not giving up car ownership for anything or anybody any decade soon. So I've gone on record. Uli knew I was going to say that. Adina, <laughs> I'm looking at your notes here, and I just, I, it just makes me feel wonderful to get in my car and, and on a sunny day with the top down, doing 80 on the highway, red hair blowing, and i got to tell you, there's nothing, nothing like it, almost. Oh, so Adina here, I'm looking at your – What's that? What's your What's that? Share with us your <laughs> <laughs> so far so good nobody's caught me Adina I'm looking at your notes here and we have something I don't think we've talked about yet we still have time almost just to squeeze in one more quick topic you say cross industry collaboration is vital to enable customer centric services can you quickly tell us about this and then we're going to have to go around the table to Uli and start the predictions round so go ahead Adina what are we talking about cross industry collaboration in terms of connected mobility mm-hmm. So um, uh, whenever we listen to also the example, but yeah, what Uli brought to us, like um, um, the the uh, um, 
the concept what yeah, the RingSpeed Snap resembles is that yeah, you can have yeah, actually different pods created and, and utilize like, you know, different services yeah, so while you are working or while you're actually traveling. So um, uh, to make it sure that we are providing the matching services to the customers, like to, to the travelers, uh, we need to closely collaborate with different service providers, with the retailers, or whenever we take, for example, an exam, uh, for example, that yeah, we could imagine that medical services could be completely different in the future, and the uh, medical pod could be picking up an elderly um, um, uh, passenger to, and take them to the mm-hmm. doctor, and while they are traveling, they could have actually the vital signs already checked in the vehicle, and then through connected health capabilities, we can actually uh, send the, the information already to the doctor. So you can see that like a, dof- a lot of different parties come together. And the, uh, if we think about that, we can uh, utilize actually the, uh, the personal transportation, package transportation, also a mix of it to make it sure that we create a sustainable and great life in the city. Um, who is going to be the mobility service provider? Is this going to be a city? Um, uh, so there is already a really close connection with public services, with mobility. And to add another angle to it, the, uh, uh, the future is going to be, from my perspective, and what we see in the trends pretty much um, uh, uh, along the lines of electric vehicles. So if you think about uh, charging infrastructure, how are we going to make it sure that these vehicles are pretty much running 24-7? You need to have a really good plan about how you charge them. So from my perspective, just three examples, for example, public services, um, uh, utilities, and automotive are building now right now a big collaboration, like, you know, um, uh, trying to define these new business models together. And the, what I really appreciate and, and the, um, uh, really see an advantage of working together with the RINSPEED, we are part of a collaboration a, um, a group. So there's up to 25 or more than 25 partners who are working together on these concept vehicles and really come together. Uh, we think about like, you know, how we can define the, the future of mobility to make it sure that we really provide flexible and great options for the future. Thank you, Adina. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a sudden cough here. You, you almost gave me your prediction. If we run out of time, that was a great prediction. Mm-hmm. So let's let's stay with mm-hmm. that. Uli Munch, I'm circling around to you. I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Look into the crystal ball, please, and tell me who's driving off into the sunset and what kind of vehicle at any point in the future, Uli. Let's, uh, let's look at 2020 or later. So talk to me. Prediction, Uli Munch, SAP, go. Okay. To pick it up where Adina left it, right, what we see with industries coming together. So the stamping of sheet metal may not be the, 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 the piece that sets you apart. The piece that sets you apart today is already probably more the connectedness of your infotainment system if you are an automotive OEM. And uh, as we are ex- extrapolating this, I would predict that We'll see more electric vehicles. It's inevitable. You see cities banning internal combustion engines. So this is a given, right? The question is how quick it's going to happen. They are all connected. Already today, most of them are connected. They will always be connected in in the near future. And that will uh, allow more more intelligent uses of uh, mobility. And what we're going to see is the impact on the utilities and how the utility companies, energy companies will have to work um, on grid uh, management and and charging infrastructure and charging optimization uh, together with the car manufacturers and most importantly with with the fleet operators. So I predict that the fleet operators will see a golden age coming and this will be a, 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 a fleet of 
autonomous vehicles, and um, that will be uh, what we're going to see in the next couple of years. Thank you, Uli. I saved 60 seconds for Chris Dambola, Thomson Reuters. Chris, speak. Up to you. Sure. So I think that um, the availability and sustainability of, of natural resources and uh, the infrastructures at stands today are, are going to inherently stunt the, um, the timeline for adoption of electric vehicles and, and autonomous vehicles and things like that. So I think we have a little bit of an elongated runway um, for, for those things. But I do think that in light of, uh, let's say, a trade war or uh, uh, technology companies getting into the automotive space, I think Nash's game theory is going to take hold. And you're going to start to see some of the traditional automotives kind of divide and conquer and specializing in what they're going to be doing. So, you know, maybe Mazda with their Skyactiv technology focuses more on engines than cars, you know, like a Rolls-Royce. Um, and maybe GM and Ford make the pods where someone else makes the skateboards. And you're going to see companies like Facebook or Amazon with their Prime or Microsoft with their new ecosystem, um, you know, really owning that user experience. So to Uli's point earlier where, you know, autonomous kind of has to be a rideshare model, you still want that personalization. You're going to see some element of folks that kind of own all of your data be the ones that can just plug into a Ford or a GM to know who you are and greet you and give you your experience. Thank you very much, Chris. Adina Sewell, you do get another 60 seconds, but keep it short for your prediction. Go ahead, Adina. Um, so actually, um, it is kind of like, you know, hard to say a prediction, especially like, you know, l- uh, listening to your passion and talking about like, you know, what new cars you had and you wouldn't want to give up the wheel. Uh, at the same time, I see so many uh, options like, you know, that can make our life better in the future. Um, if we talk about the medical option, if you're talking about like, you know, uh, having maybe like, you know, exchanging mama taxis over to autonomous taxis. So like, you know, we can also have like, you know, an afternoon whenever we don't have to run the kids or kind of like, you know, guitar class, soccer class, whatever it is whatever is on the schedule. I believe that yeah, the future uh, holds a lot of options for us and the, um, um, I'm really looking forward kind of like, you know, to be a part of it and defining it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And by the way, I found my dream car on Carfax, believe it or not, and only had to drive 20 minutes away to an import dealer to find it. <clears throat> it it's obviously a used car and it's just gorgeous. So no, I'm not giving that up anytime soon. That's part of my identity. I want to thank our three panelists so much. Uh, Uli Munch, always a pleasure. Hope you'll come back. Adina Sewell, it's about time you got on a show. And Chris Dambola, such a pleasure to speak with you and thank you for taking your time today. And we have had so many tweeters here. We've had Rich Lindo. Oli, of course, is tweeting. We've got Manivel Kulathaval. I hope I pronounced that right. Jim Davis Auto. Karin Rombach. We have M.S. Raju. Adina was tweeting as well. Miranda Labate, of course, who put together the show. And John Reichard. So thank you, all of our tweeters. We really appreciate it. I'm going to thank you on Twitter right now. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This has been such an interesting show. Such a wide open topic. So I'll just say drive safe wherever you are. And let's do our shout out out here. Of course, RIP, rest in peace to our two colleagues who left us way too soon from the automotive team at SAP, David Parrish and Larry Stoley. We miss you both. We do. Thank you to Aaron and the Business Channel team. And here's my call to action. I use it on all the Game Changer shows. By the way, we have 37 different series now, but it's so appropriate here. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer today. 
just like Uli Munch, just like Chris Dambola, and just like Adina Sul and, of course, Miranda LeBate. Have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Business Channel on a new edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers. And 2 p.m. tomorrow, we introduce a new series, Retail Leaders, Radical Retail Leaders. You don't want to miss that one. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.